0: Welcome to week
1: five. Week How are you guys five. feeling? Week five. Just fine.
0: How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The sun is finally out in mm. Berkeley, California. Yeah, it's great. <sighs> it's been storming for three months, it feels like. It's probably been like three days, but, you know.
1: Well, at any rate, I keep telling people that I've been lied to. I was promised sunny California. No weather change. It's all the same. It's all great all the time. And you Instead? know what? It's been raining all the time. <laughs> so, it's David, how's Toronto? Well, we have gotten we
0: have gotten zero rain, zero rain. But it's cold.
2: We get a lot of snow, so we've gotten a lot of snow recently. That's um, like rain. It's like rain, but it's just a little bit colder. It's also prettier. It gets really pretty mm. here. With uh, I'm outside of the city right now in the country, so the snow in the country is really beautiful because it's white and pristine and doesn't get touched. In the city of Toronto, it gets really gross and slushy.
1: Yeah, mm, black snow.
2: Yeah, and yellow snow.
1: Ooh, watch out where the huskies go.
0: <laughs> On that note, <laughs> <laughs> how did uh, how did uh, this Sunday go with homilies and such? Pretty good. Did you preach, Jonathan? Nope, not this week. Okay, week before. Yeah,
2: yeah. the the homily that I listened to yesterday was not all that eventful. It was. It was kind of mediocre, actually. It wasn't even that long. It was only like five minutes.
0: Mine started off good, and then it just kept going and oh, yeah. going and going and going. <laughs> yeah, with no, yeah, with no seeming purpose in mind. Yeah. I prayed that our priest would land the plane. <laughs> 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 Eventually, he did.
1: Eventually. You know, I've come to a self-realization that, um, and this might be good for the people of God for next year especially, that I'm, I know that I'm not the best preacher in the world. Which means that you can almost always be assured that my homilies will be short. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. If you can't be good, be brief.
1: That's right. <laughs> good strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will
2: say, I did, I did get a chance to listen to Bishop Barron's homily for yesterday, and I thought that was really good. He, he focused explicitly on Jeremiah and not on the Beatitudes, which I thought was a little strange, but it was really well done.
1: Well, you know why he does that? No. Because these are all recorded in advance?
2: Oh, and I the gospel
1: see. changes depending on the year. Oh. oh,
2: well, Louis, it struck me because he focused on the same line that you did:
0: "Shall not trust in men."
1: Yeah,
2: like put not your trust in in human beings, but fo- like but trust only in God. Like that was his catchphrase for the whole homily. Well,
0: that's I'm gonna get that tattooed on my forearm. <laughs> he, he kept saying he kept
2: saying the 1995 equivalent of that, which was put it on your desktop computer.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> make it, it make on, it your screensaver. Put it on your screensaver. Yeah, that was yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, well, uh, today we're looking at Seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time. What, what? Yeah. Jonathan, did you get a chance to uh, take a look at these readings?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned last week, this might be my favorite part of the gospel. Uh, and this, this particular... Verse uh, passage might be why I like the Gospel of Luke so much. More because than I the resurrection. It, <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> 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 this makes the resurrection make sense. I think. Oh, okay, okay. Um, because it's so countercultural to what any of us are taught in any other place, mm-hmm. you know. And I just love it. What what good is it to love those who love you back? Even sinners do that. What good is it to lend to those to whom you expect repayment? Okay, good. That's a good thing uh, to lend to people. But God isn't just asking us to be nice. And this is, I think, again, the scandal of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't want us to just be good people. He wants Mm -hmm. us to be excellent, to be perfect, just as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And that means going further than just being nice to those that are nice to me back. Um, but to go so far as to say to love your enemies, um, and I think that's the beauty of this of our first reading as well, that David is so hesitant to to harm Saul because he's been anointed by God. Um, so, yeah, I mean I could go on and on and on about how about how the gospel keeps turning what we think we know on its head. Um, and how this is, I think, the fundamental, again, the fundamental reason why the resurrection makes sense. Without this radical, illogical gift of love, then our faith is vain. Hmm.
0: And that the identity of a Christian is this radical stance towards others. Right.
1: It's not just, hey, be a nice person, because Hmm. even sinners do that.
2: (laughs) Here's a question for you, Jonathan. Um, I couldn't help but wonder whether or not Jesus just using hyperbole what do you mean i mean it it just it seems a little bit like last last week with the beatitudes and this week as well i mean to what extent is this actually advice yeah or is this is just sort of a hyperbolic way of kind of exaggerating but to try to prove a point or is this like is he speaking literally you know if someone asks you for your tuna give to etc like is this because louis used the language of like a radical call Is this a radical call to like literally live this kind of way or is it Jesus using hyperbole to try and like shake us out of our, you know, false understandings of how the world should be?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's a difficult, I think it's a difficult thing to try to, to say it has to be one or the other. You know, we can certainly read it with hyperbole. We can also read it literally, you know, love your enemies, period, full stop. That's a great place to... That's what he tells the rich official. Um, You know the commandments. Do that. Follow that. And if that's, you know, if that's where we are, fine. Keep going. Mm -hmm. But I'm calling you to something more. Whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, I was thinking kind of along those lines this past Sunday when, you know, in Luke it said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours shall be the kingdom of God. And, um. One thing that struck me was the priest said, you know, Jesus isn't telling us to give up all of our possessions. Jesus is telling us to uh, handle our possessions well or to use them well. Uh, and I, I think he's right in a sense. But I also think there are times where Jesus is asking us to give up our possessions So I think that it is both hyperbole, depending on the interpretation and depending on the audience. But also there are times, like I was thinking while this priest was talking, like, yeah, for St. Francis, though, this passage really meant give up everything Mm -hmm. and sell all that you have. And it wasn't just hyperbole. It was literal. Mm. Uh, And so for, yeah, depending on how the spirit moves the individual, is this literal? Is this hyperbole? Either way, it's still radical in my eyes. Yeah,
1: yeah. and it also depends on, like, you're not going to tell a a family, a father or a mother, to sell all that they have and follow if they're trying to take care of an infant. Right. Like, that's irresponsible. And so for them, it would be slightly more um, of the hyperbole, I think. You know, we find a way to follow Jesus singularly, Considering the state that we live in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so I think, like I agree that there's an element of both. Uh, you know, one of the things that Flannery O'Connor would always say is that in the land of the deaf, you speak loudly, um, or in the mm-hmm. land of the blind, you make large gestures. Um, it's sort of her way of saying that hyperbole has a way, a pedagogical purpose. Um, and I do think that there can be hyperbole in the gospel here, just because it can be misinterpreted as Jesus advocating for a kind of pacifism that is disregarding of like my own dignity you know of like letting people strike me down um and so i think there could be an interpretation there that's hyperbolic but i agree with you louis too that there there can be a a literal element here like saint francis um because i think i could use the hyperbole as sort of a shield uh to keep Mm -hmm. me you know what i mean so like even as i say it i kind of feel that like am i just rationalizing not letting it sting a little bit
0: Uh, one thing that comes to my mind from a a wise figure in our culture is only a Sith speaks in absolutes. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That, uh, yeah, there are times where it needs to be interpreted as literal and absolute, and there are times where it needs to be interpreted as uh, a radical call, but within our own context.
2: Sure. Yeah, because that family that Jonathan was mentioning, that's a really good, good understanding of that, right? Like how does living, you know, poverty in the virtue sense apply, you know, when you're, when you have a family. David, where uh, did you
0: take these readings while you were sitting with them?
2: Well, um, uh, honestly, the thing that stood out to me the most, there were a few lines that stood out to me in particular in the gospel. Um, I'll just mention them really quick and then I'll give you like one summary statement that I think uh, captures the readings as a whole for me. In the gospel, there are was one idea that I would just set aside as as I found very quaint and really beautiful is at the end, give and gifts will be given to you a good measure packed together, shaken down and overflowing. I was really struck by that because it never really occurred to me that he's describing like when you're packing flour or something yeah. that you really want to pack it down and then like beat the bag down so you can get all of it in as much as possible. I just thought that was such a beautiful and vivid image of like, that's how much God wants to give to me um, of good gifts is it's not enough to just give me one or two, but he wants to give me that much more to pack it down and really fill me up with his grace. And in turn, he asked for me to do the same. Um, I, don't know, I thought that was a really beautiful image. And that's one thing I sat with. The other one that was perhaps a little bit more pervasive between the first and the third reading was uh, the line in the gospel where he says, you will be children of the most high i i felt like that was sort of the hermeneutical key for me like this is kind of the way to understand last week's beatitudes and this week's um sort of like extreme phrases um the goal here is to be children of a very high standard the most high god himself um and we're being called like you were saying, jonathan to something greater well the greater that we're being called to is to be sons of god and daughters of god which is no small thing like that's a That's a high standard, but it's a reachable standard. But it's a high standard in that I shouldn't be. I I find often that I'm just very lazy in my faith. That I can kind of get away with just the bare minimum.
0: Yeah, I love that. Children of the Most High. Sometimes we just say that, and we're like, oh yeah, that's like an old school phrase or whatever." But that it means a high standard, Mm. and I think that's true. That it's supposed to elevate the, elevate our humanity, towards God's divinity. I think. for me, that second reading really stood out. I'd, I had never really considered it, but what Paul seems to try to be doing is this, what we would now call union of body and soul, uh, that there has been historically a dualism or a separation between the body and the soul. And yeah, that has yeah. led to a, a lot of problems in theology and in spiritual practice that we neglect the body for the soul and that kind of thing. But here, Paul is uniting the body and the soul, Hmm. that in the person of Christ, we see humanity and divinity Hmm. placed together. And at that very last part, uh, just as we have been born in an earthly body, so shall we also bear the image of the heavenly body, that we are called to be elevated, like you were saying, David to a union of these two bodies. We don't neglect the earthly body. We don't throw it away. And we don't neglect the heavenly bother body. We don't throw it away, but we use both to feed off of one another. Hmm. And I was thinking about how does that relate to the gospel reading? Uh, and I think that the key is generosity, that when this earthly body is united with this heavenly body, when our bodies and souls find that center point, we are instinctively generous. So the, the feeling of being filled with my soul, that my body and my soul are filled together, uh, is to be giving. To Even if somebody hurts me, to give. Even if somebody steals from me, to give. Even if someone hates me, to give. That it's mm. constant, a constant sense of generosity and giving of myself.
1: Yeah, and I think that, David, to go back to something that you said, this good measure, I had never thought of it as a, a measure of flour before, but I think it makes sense, and I think it fits into what you're saying, Louis. Um, you know, as as the baker, you might be able to help me out here. Why is this bad advice?
0: Oh, this is, uh, so according to Ina Garten, <laughs> you want to have, <laughs> you actually want to aerate your flour when you're baking with it. That's by our own standards. Right. But here, Jesus is saying uh, that you need to pack it down. Yeah. Mm. And actually, you can get double the weight of flour yeah. by packing it down into a cup rather than right. uh, aerating it. But mm. by our
1: standards, that makes for bad baking. Like, you, you mess up your recipe. This is irresponsible baking. And yet, Jesus is calling us to that mm. same irresponsibility, I think, with our giving.
2: Oh, interesting. Huh. I like that. So here's a. Maybe maybe something we haven't said that I'm, it's a little bit, it's a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit controversial or or difficult. At least it's, it's difficult for me. I couldn't help while I was reading these readings to think about something you mentioned, Jonathan, last week. Um, and that is the tension between justice and charity. Because I couldn't help to think, like in the first reading, there seems to be an aspect of justice that David David even says, like, You know, the Lord has delured him into my grasp. And he even says the Lord will reward each man for his justice. Yet David doesn't kill him. What seems to be the implication is that it would have been just for him to do so. Now, morally, I don't know if that's right, but at least in the reading, there's a sense of like, what would have been just David chooses to forego for something higher, which is mercy. And if you think about that in terms of the the gospel, with this notion of a higher standard, think about like even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount that's the definition of justice you get what you give yet right. we're not you called get what to you ju- yeah well even sinners do that they get back the same amount but rather love your enemies and do good to them which is giving well beyond what is deserved so i i the reason i called it a little bit controversial just is just because i i think there's an either or tendency with justice and charity where it's like if i'm called to love then I might feel like, well, justice doesn't matter anymore. But you said something, Jonathan, last week that I think is important. I don't know, it just got me thinking a little bit about where the tension is between justice and charity. And I guess I could also call it controversial because of the context politically that we are in the church in right now this week. And if I were to preach on this on Sunday, it would be right around the time that the bishops are meeting in Rome to talk about the sex abuse scandal. And is there justice? Is there a call Mm -hmm. for charity? Well, can there be charity without justice?
0: Yeah, I think that's really... Right. Because at first I was thinking of like violence and conflict, like global conflict. And that's easy on my part, usually to say, well, the answer is always mercy and find a creative way to show mercy. But when it comes to the church and these matters, especially matters of sexual abuse, I feel really fired up about it's got to be justice and heads need to roll and uh, people need to be. Taken down. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's a really, really interesting word well, puzzle. Well,
1: let's put a face to it. That'll, this will complicate things even more. This week, as you said, David, as the bishops meet, who is our enemy? Who was just laicized? The former Cardinal McCarrick. McCarrick. Like, let's put, replace enemy with McCarrick. That we're not supposed to just. Love those that love us back, but him too.
0: Yeah, and how do I find a way to love him responsibly? Also, keeping in mind that he has abused people, and uh, his actions continue to scar the church. That we're all being drugged through. You know this. That's how I feel. Like sure it's not just one action but it's a continuous abuse yeah. of everyone that we're all being drawn into it. So yeah, maybe that is maybe it's simply to say that is the prayer mm-hmm. uh and the extreme of loving one's enemies and how do i find a way to do that in a in a way that is really responsible in a way that god calls me to but doesn't just write off every action.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that might be how you keep justice and charity together because you don't sure. you don't get rid of them. You know, they're not mutually exclusive; they work with each other for each other.
2: Right. Well, I will say so, Jonathan. It is helpful that like putting a name to uh, this reading is helpful, and it also makes me very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Because it does <laughs> it does make me think. You know, I don't want to love him um, yes. at <laughs> all. Like I'm, and I I say that with embarrassment because I'm called to to love. Um, but I think, you know, to defend myself a little bit, I, I'm a believer in that justice, justice, it's hard, it's hard because justice, I do think precedes charity, that there is a call to get, like you said it last week, Jonathan, I think quoting what Pope Benedict, that like what justice is giving someone something that is theirs,
1: but Uh-huh. charity is giving to somebody what is yours. Yeah, I kind of feel
2: like why would I give someone what's mine until I give them first what is what belongs to them. So it's like. How about we have justice for, you know, the perpetrators of abuse and then I'll, and then I'll love them. Um, <laughs> I guess that, you know, like, <laughs> so, I mean, that's a tension within my own heart, right? That I, I still have anger there yeah. where I don't want to love until I see that there's retribution or yeah. that there's justice or something.
1: Well, um, anger is okay, right? St. Paul tells us that explicitly. Anger is okay. As long as it doesn't lead to sin. And that's, I think the tricky part is mm. how we, how do we navigate that? Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is too far afield from this week's readings. I just think that considering the like, the political context we're in and also just the invitation here of, you know, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's really hard.
0: But for, in some ways, I feel like if we don't come to an understanding of what real justice looks like in this situation and what real mercy looks like in this situation, then we will never grow. We will never move on. Because... Unless we maintain that tension, there's no room for God. If we're only focused on justice, then it's going to be human justice. And if we're only focused on mercy, then it's going to be our version of mercy. Yeah, no, But if good. we leave that tension, then maybe God can speak to us through mm-hmm.
2: that. Yeah. How do, we, how do we remain children of the Most High? Like it's not just we hold ourselves to a high
0: standard, but we hold ourselves to God's standard. What else do we see here? Any other little nuggets, little insights?
1: Louis, I'm glad you mentioned the second reading because that honestly left me a little baffled. I wasn't sure how to how to work with that.
0: I think it's I, I love this play between Adam and Jesus. Yeah. Uh every time I see it, and it, it happens in Paul a lot, that Jesus is this new Adam. And it, you know what it always makes me think of is uh Easter Saturday. Hmm. At the vigil, when we sing the exalted and we sing, oh, happy fault, oh, necessary sin of Adam, that even in this darkest uh, moment and even in this most human moment in Adam's sin, God is still at work, that it is a necessary sin for our own salvation. That, I mean, if we just sat with that, uh, (laughs) we in the context of our own sinfulness or in the context of uh, the church in general or the world and how sometimes we can get so down on everything. If we just sat with that and said, Oh, happy fault, unnecessary oh, sin of Adam that we might know our need for a savior. Like, I think that is talk about radical. Like that is a truly radical approach to life.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that me a lot.
0: Too. That's good. That's good.
2: Yeah, any other uh, last things? I couldn't think of any other, Louis. Um, I think we've exhausted a lot of things that I was thinking about.
0: I'm exhausted, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. All right. Cool. Great. Great job, everyone. All yeah. right. This really is so it. fun. We're in <laughs> week five. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Okay. Thanks so much. This was great.
2: Um, you know, maybe one last thought. Are we Uh, not done? No, here's one last thought. One (laughs) last thought. Well, because it doesn't seem like we've landed the plane yet. Um, one last thought, you know, I never preach or think to preach on the Alleluia verse. And nor do I think a priest really should. (laughs) It's like, get get to the gospel, you know. But, you know, this is from John's gospel this week. And it's like, wait a minute, we're in Luke. Um, but I think it's a good summary statement for the gospel this week. You know, I give you a new commandment says the Lord, love one another as I have loved you. And there's a lot there. You know, it gets to that piece that you were saying, Louie, about newness in Christ as the new Adam. Um, It is a commandment, right? That we ought to love each other, but he says to love as I have loved you, which means, well, from the cross, there was no justice, but there was laying down of his life. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just kind of interesting summary statement for me.
0: Yeah. I love that. And One of my favorite lines about the Alleluia verse uh, comes from a priest friend of ours who says that if you're going to read the Alleluia verse, you need to sing the Alleluia Mm -hmm. or else, because some priests go, Alleluia, 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 (laughs) Alleluia. And his whole thing is like, it's like going, happy birthday, happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this is a joyful thing. You don't just say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, <laughs> happy birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> I love that.
2: All right. With that, happy birthday, guys. Happy, happy birthday.
0: birthday. <laughs> Talk to you later. All right. All righty. Bye. Bye.